Hello, may I welcome you to episode 50 of Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight to others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as I delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. In this episode, we discover that my guest began his career in the industry some 19 years ago as a temporary financial controller on a six-month contract. We discuss his challenges, what he would change from his moving past, his high points, what changes he would make to the industry, the advice he would give starting out again, his predictions for the next five years, and what he does outside of the workplace. And as always, we end with a funny moving story, or in this case not, as my guest has never moved house. My guest this episode is Mark Dresler, Managing Director of Britannia Movers International. Enjoy. Good morning, Mark. Welcome to Moving Matters. Morning, Colin. Glad to be here. How are you this morning? I'm fine. It's a beautiful sunny day here in Merston in Surrey. Very, very nice here in Hampshire too. Good. So, can you tell everybody about yourself and the length of time within the industry? Okay, I turned 60 last year, which I was expecting. <laughs> so, uh, I've got a few miles on the clock, as it were. I have two lovely daughters, Sam and Amy, and an even lovelier granddaughter, Sophie. And Sophie is the apple of my eye, keeps me busy, occupied, and feeling young whenever I get to see them. Superb. I take it they live local? No, they don't. You may or may not tell from my accent because it goes in and out from time to time, but I am a boy from the black country. I was born and bred in West Bromwich, a matter of a couple of miles away from the Albion ground, the Hawthorns. Oh, don't tell me you're an Albion fan. I, I have to be an Albion fan because of where I was born, but I'm a football fan, really, which means I don't watch the Albion very often. <laughs> so, yeah, I like to watch good football. I do still check their results from time to time, but uh, no, I haven't been to the Albion ground for a very long time. So how did you get started in the industry? Well, that's a very good question because... You may or may not know, but I am not a mover. I'm not a removalist. I am, in fact, an accountant by profession. And I will get back to your question, by the way. So over my 40 plus years of working life, I've worked in a variety of industries and so on. I started out in the profession. I did six years of that, doing audits of other people's businesses. I always felt I wanted to get out into the real world and actually make a difference within a business rather than just audit what other people's efforts had come to. So ultimately, I did do that. And I won't bore you with all of the details, but I've been working in different industries, uh, what we call metal bashers back in the Midlands, switch socket box makers, paper cup and paper plate manufacturer, foam molders and converters, office interiors, a couple of recruitment agencies. Yeah, fair mix of different businesses that I worked for on an accountant type basis. So I was always in accounts, but in a variety of roles, financial controller, group financial controller, finance director, and so on. 
So anyway, to get back to your question, I joined Britannia 19 years ago in September 2003, almost 19 years ago, as temp, temporary financial controller, because the finance director at the time had just left and the finances of Britannia, BMI, were a little in a mess, if I can say that. It's 19 years on, so this is probably not gossip anymore. <laughs> the previous year's financial accounts had actually been qualified. So that was probably why the finance director left. And I was brought in effectively to resolve the accounting issues and try and put the, the financial side of the business back on, a, on a, an even keel. The one thing I am as an accountant is I do know what good accounting practices are. And so it wasn't too difficult for me to see all of the holes in the situation and plug them, put in some processes that made sense, get caught up on all of the invoice processing, the, the payments, the receipts and so on. We had so much money outstanding from debtors who just hadn't been chased. We had so many payments haven't been made to creditors, which hadn't been matched against invoices. Lots of things that were outstanding that just needed to be dealt with. And as I said, as a good accountant, it was a fairly easy win for me to just go, I can do this. Didn't always endear me to the, to the Britannia members, because in some instances, it was them that I was chasing for payment. <laughs> Indeed, uh, you know, a bulldog and a Rottweiler <laughs> reputation for a while. But eventually they grew to love me, I think. But um, it, was, it was a case of it needed to be done. So that's what I did. So 19 years ago, you were a financial temp? I was a temporary financial controller. Yep, six-month contract. And now you are managing director? Well, I'll take you through the, the, the scenario, if I may. Please. After six months, that was actually the company's financial year end, February. And so I thought, well, they're not going to get rid of me at that point because they're going to need me to get through the audit. So I've probably got another six-month contract in it at the very least. And they did extend the contract at that point. And then within a couple of months, a strange thing happened. The then chairman of the group decided to resign or retire. The deputy chairman had resigned or retired in the January of 2004. And so a, uh, a new non-exec director had been appointed in the January as deputy chairman. He suddenly became chairman in the May of 2004. And at that point, he then spoke to me and said, we'd like to make you permanent. So it wasn't quite immediately after the end of the first temporary assignment, but it was at that point. And as I say, then I'd gotten through the audit and we were out the other side with things in a much better financial foot. So that happened in the May. Pretty much at the same time, the, the managing director then went off on long-term sick. And so we had a period through the summer where we had no MD, we had a brand new chairman, I suppose, and we just had everybody else doing what they did. And we were just sort of coasting, bowling along, not really going anywhere. So I was, I was just 
making sure or trying to make sure that the accounts and the finances were uh, up to scratch. But it, it just occurred to me that this can't go on forever. The long-term sick MD then left the business in the September. We got to October and I thought, if no one else wants to put their hand up to be MD, then I'll do it. And so I you know, contacted the chairman and said exactly what I've just said. If no one else wants to do this, I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring. And of course, that's not what happened. <laughs> They, uh, they said, okay, well, we need to interview the, the other directors in the, in the company and you as well, Mark, if that's what you want, and we'll take it from there. And ultimately, they did interview me and a couple of other directors and uh, a guy called David Tracy, who many people will know, was yeah. appointed as MD and I was appointed as FD. So to be honest, I never really thought I was going to get the MD's job. And I thought I might get the FD's job. So actually, it all worked out for my benefit, pretty much as I expected. But it got me a foot through the door, a seat on the board. And I am now the longest serving member of the BMI board after that. So yeah, that got me into general management more. I spent a lot of time alongside David Tracy in the four or five years that he was the MD. Then he retired. The board appointed an outsider to be MD. He lasted for 12 months. And then the three other executive directors, myself and two sales directors, one international, one UK domestic based. We started to run the business as a, as a collective, I suppose, with me as the senior yeah. director. Yeah. That was in the March. By the time we got to June, we had a BMI conference in Cardiff and we had a board meeting immediately before the conference. And at the end of the board meeting, they said they'd like to offer me the job as MD. And so June 2011, I was appointed MD and here I am just past 11 years. Did this all start back at Stourbridge? It did. It did. Obviously, as I've already mentioned, I am a boy from the Midlands. So, yes, I joined Britannia in Stourbridge, where they had an accounts and a sales office. Hmm. That was on lease. The lease ended in two years, so September 2005. And basically, I was told, if you want to keep your job, it's going to be in Croydon. Yeah. Or you could be redundant. And the reality is that, and I mean, that was said to everyone else in the not in quite in that way <laughs> we quite no, like no, you to uh, yeah. to move to Royden if you would but all of the other staff basically wasn't an option really for them but i thought i'll give it a go i'll try it for 6 months i'll see whether living away from the family works for me whether i can cope with that living on my own and how does the work situation pan out and after 6 months i said yeah okay it's fine It's fine. So I started to look for a flat. I bought a flat that I could live in thinking, well, it's costing less than the rent. So, you know, that's a good idea, but also it's a potential investment for some time way, way in the future when I look to retire. (laughs) So can you tell everybody about Britannia Movers International and the services they offer? Okay. For, again, anyone who's not fully aware, Britannia is a cooperative. 
It is a group of like-minded owner-managers, business entrepreneurs, who effectively all trade under the same brand, the brand being obviously Britannia. They are all shareholders in BMI, Britannia Movies International, and they all, as a result, have a say in some of the things that we do. From my point of view, I'm very well aware that with about 35 companies and 40 plus depots around the UK, two in South Africa and one in Spain, I am not going to be able to keep all of them happy all of the time. I just have to try and keep most of them happy all of the time. That must be a hard job anyway. Yeah, it was likened, <laughs> someone likened it once to herding cats. And I think that's probably a reasonable <laughs> description. Yeah. But generally speaking, they're a good bunch of people. And, you know, yeah. as I said, they are switched on owner managers. Many of them are self-made businessmen and women. So yeah. I'm just a reasonably successful employee. I would say, in comparison to them. Yes, so what do we do? What do I do here? What does the group do? Well, as BMI here, we are central hub. We deal with all sorts of marketing and promotional elements of running the Britannia group. We also obviously generate lots of inquiries for the members because of that and pass those out. In addition to which, we have various arms of business that we operate and run from. BMI, import business, export business, UK corporate business, UK international business, and military business. And in the majority of those, we obviously have contracts with individual customers and we subcontract all of the actual removals to the members. So there's a couple of million pounds worth of imports to be moved similar with the UK corporate, about a million on international corporate, a couple of million on MOD moves. And then in the opposite direction, the members are bringing in three million pounds worth of export business. So it's a, it's a little bit parent and child relationship, but we do feed each other to some degree. And are you looking for new members at all? Yes, we are. You would think it would actually be quite easy but in reality, it's not. What we find, and we've tried all sorts of different things, whether that's appearing at the Movers and Storers show or putting adverts in removals and storage or just advertising online or whatever, that there would be people out there that would be knocking on the door. What we find is that removal businesses out there who have a local member think, oh, that's a good idea. I'll go knock on Britannia's door. And then we go, great, we'd love to, but you're right next to a local member, so we can't. And all of the spaces that we've got, there aren't anybody because they don't have a local member to think, I'd like to be like them. So whether that is Scotland or Cumbria or Coventry, Reading, Maidenhead, places like that, we're definitely looking for new members. And if anybody's out there and would like to uh, press the button, please get in touch with me. Am I right in saying Britannia own some of the depots? No, we don't. No, we don't. But you used to? We, we did. In fact, hmm. it was one of the things, one of the first things that I did. On the day that I was interviewed for the managing director's job, first time in November 2004, 
I was actually also in negotiations or concluding negotiations for the sale of the four branches that we did have. Right. And I ac- okay. actually had to say at the start of the interview, I'm waiting on a, a phone call from a solicitor that will conclude this. And if it does come through, I am going to have to take it. Sure enough, in the middle of the interview, that's exactly what happened. But I was fortunate enough to be able to come back and say, yep, it's all done. The sale is concluded, it's gone through, and the money will be in the bank in the next couple of days. So that was, that was good in that respect. But yeah, we received an offer for the four branches that we did have, and uh, the board decided to accept it. So what areas are you actually looking for new members then, Mark? Is there any area in particular? Well, you should have been listening earlier. I've already listed. <laughs> well, I did hear you say Cambria and Scotland, Scotland and Coventry yeah. and... Most parts of Scotland. Places that you used to have members. No, well, we still got members in, in Scotland, in uh, Glasgow and Edinburgh and Dundee, but it doesn't mean to say we're, we're not looking for more because it's, it's a big old area. Yeah. Cumbria, we did have a member there, but it wasn't... I mean, it's, it's again, it's full of trees and sheep. Right. That's part of the problem and not enough chimney pots. So it becomes difficult. But if there are removal firms out there, there must be some who might be interested, then please get in touch. Coventry, we haven't been able to fill that for a while. Reading, Maidenhead, definitely we're looking for people there. So, you know, there are, there are options. Have you got to be a certain size of company to join Britannia? Not really. The membership requirements are that you have two vehicles in livery at the start of the relationship, which is a small vehicle and a slightly larger vehicle in order to be able to conduct certain size of moves. For the most part, we usually find that we're anywhere between three and, and six vehicles will be the sort of business that will look to join us. What we, what we do look for is BAR membership or an intention to join the BAR. So we leave the door right. open for that. Why is the BAR membership so important? Well, I think in the past, BAR membership has always been felt it was a sort of a tick for quality. Yeah. And what I was yeah. about to say was the other thing that we insist on is BSEN 12522, which obviously is the, yeah. is the moving quality, quality standard. standard. Yeah. yeah. So the two hand in hand are the sort of thing that we're looking for. It says to us, and from our point of view, says to our customers, we have quality businesses within our group. And these are the, the quality requirements that we've set that they adhere to. So, but again, For the same reason, there are a number of businesses out there that either aren't part of BAR or they're part of some other organization and or haven't gotten around to 12522, but are perfectly capable of doing both of those things. So we're not closing the doors and saying, if you haven't got them, don't bother knocking. We're saying, if you haven't, we will help you to get them if you want to do that and you want to be part of Britannia. Cool. So what challenges have you had to overcome then, Mark? I'm sure there'd be plenty of challenges in these 19 years. Well, obviously, the first one was the financial side of things, just putting that back on an even keel. I think the, the upheaval immediately after with all of the resignation stroke, retirement stroke, 
ill health there was that to get through and like I said I, I suppose I did something about that I made something happen in terms of there was an MD appointed and I was appointed FD and we moved on then with a proper management structure other things that have come along we were in a 25-year lease of a warehouse building in Croydon with a 15-year break point and we were sort of 12, 13 years in, and it was a question of, are we going to stay where we are or are we going to move? We made the decision that we were going to look to either buy or build something for ourselves. And at the time, back in 2014, 15, basically, you couldn't find a decent-sized warehouse reasonably close to where we were in Croydon for love and the money. It just, it just it didn't exist. It didn't exist. And we were almost resigned to the fact we were going to have to continue with the lease because we just couldn't find anywhere. And then all of a Hmm. sudden, one of our agents found uh, a plot of land in Merstham and said, there's this plot of land. It's not cheap, but it might suffice for what you want. It's in the right sort of area and you could build something on there. So we had a look at it. We decided it was in the right sort of area in the sense that it's on the outside of the M25 for a start, which meant for members delivering into our depot and getting back out again, it's a lot easier to get to and a lot less time-consuming to get to. The seven miles from the M23 into Croydon used to be a nightmare sometimes. (laughs) So they don't have that anymore. So, yeah, so we acquired a piece of land for a million quid, would you believe, for less than an acre. Wow. But it's the right size for us and it's in the right place. We then set about designing and building the warehouse that we have here. So from my point of view, if uh, as and when I do leave the business, this is something I can say that I was a very big part of. And in fact, the the design of everything is down to me because I was the one that said to the, the architects, this is what we're looking for. This is what we need. This is where these things need to be. So if anyone's got a problem with it, it was me. More recently, we've obviously had COVID to deal with, which, yeah, was a bit of a challenge. It was a bit of a challenge. We put half of our staff on furlough. The other half, we needed to continue working. We put everyone on 80% salaries. And some were working for 80%. Some were sat at home for 80%. That was a bit difficult at times, especially for the people who were working. But um, we got through it. We do have a very good, fairly long-serving group of individuals here. It seems to me that if you you get them beyond sort of two or three years, that you then find that you're stuck with them for 20 years, if that's the right phrase. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. That's the industry. That's the right phrase. We got a lot of long servers. I mean, I did institute a long service award, and now I'm paying it out quite often. So, yeah, but it works. It works. So Merston, yep. what actually goes on at Merston then? Is it just, I mean, it's obviously head office. So is it just offices or do you have a warehouse? What's your warehouse for? What, what actually goes on there? Okay. It is a consolidation depot, I suppose, I right. say, or a deconsolidation depot. Obviously, it does have our offices here. So all the sales, offices, accounts, the directors yep. and so on, imports, exports, 
The one thing there isn't here is we do have a an office based up in Liverpool, which looks after all of our military moves. Right. And they do an excellent job up there. We set it up up there originally back in 2010 for a logistic reason, but they're so good at what they do that there's no reason to, to change. So we just, we've just maintained that in that neck of the woods. And uh, I think that will continue for a while yet, that's for sure. So, yeah, so we've got all the offices here, but we've also got 12,000 feet of warehouse space. And we have storage here, import storage. We have imports that are awaiting delivery. We have exports that are awaiting being put into containers. We are receiving goods in from members every day. Members are taking imports away every day. We are loading and unloading 20 and 40 foot containers every day. So it is, you know, a fairly full on shipping removals business here. Excellent. I didn't realize that. Now you mentioned retirement and long servers. What are you doing about the youth in the industry? Are you bringing the youth into the board of directors and things like that? Um, I would like to say yes, in terms of the board of directors. However, with apologies to all of the current board, I wouldn't class any of them as, oh, maybe one, youthful. I think there's one that's in his 30s. Everybody else must be in their 50s, I think. Apologies if I've got that wrong to anybody. Because you do have a lot of youth in, in Britannia, a lot of really good youth. Well, I mean, I was just going to come on to that. I mean, it, when it comes to the Britannia board, the Britannia board is made up of six member directors and three, used to be three, executive directors. It's now only two executive directors, myself and the sales director. So it's very heavily weighted towards the member directors. And the reality in that is that we couldn't, I mean, not that we would ever want to, but we couldn't possibly push through anything that the member directors didn't approve of because Mm. they outweigh us. Used to be two to one, now it's three to one in terms of any vote. So that's the makeup of the board. But when the member directors have to retire because their appointment is for three years, they can reapply for a second three years. But after six years, they must step down and give someone else the opportunity. So right. as and when there's a, there's a vacancy, it's thrown open to all of the members. And so anybody and everybody, including the young ones, can put their names forward. And as long as the areas vote for them and then the wider membership vote them in at the AGM, then they will be on the board. So the opportunity is there from that point of view. In terms of the youth, we have fairly recently set up a, what do we call it, future leaders group amongst the youth of the Britannia membership. And I think there's 12 to 15 people who are involved in that. We're just trying to get them to understand some of the things that go on, hear their input for some of the things that we're trying to achieve. And, you know, just get them a little bit more involved and a little bit more experienced, perhaps in things that they wouldn't necessarily have done before. And that's that seems to be working quite well. There's a sort of a a WhatsApp group for them all to be in. So they're, they're regularly talking to each other via that, raising questions or giving advice or whatever. So we are trying to to bring some of that youth forward and see where it takes us. Part of the reason for that is because 
for some of our members, they have been around for quite a while. And at some point, they are going to want to retire too. And whether that is passing the business on to their children or yeah. brothers, sisters, whatever, I don't know, or selling it on to someone else. But we're trying to bring people on board or get the youth to actually understand what might be involved in running a business. I think that's great because it just broadens their knowledge base, their horizon and everything. Absolutely. As you say, introduces them to things that they don't probably do in their own business. Yep. Super stuff, super stuff. Okay, back to my questions there, Mark. If you could change anything from your moving past, what would it be? That's a good question. What would I change from my moving past? I don't know. Don't know. Possibly I might say I would have liked to have been MD five years earlier than I got the job, but then I am possibly the longest serving Britannia MD now anyway, so... Did it hurt not to get it five years before? No, no, because as I said, I didn't expect to get it. I was hopeful. I know that I had a very, very good interview, but I I felt that I was always likely to get the FD role rather than yeah. the MD because I was too new. I was only yeah, 15 yeah, yeah. months into the, into the company and 15 months into the business. Mm. The members would probably go, who, what, what were you thinking of? <laughs> so I didn't really expect that. And they went with David Tracy, who was 10, 15 years into the business and probably yeah. 20, 30 years into the industry. So yeah, 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 it's not yeah. longer. It was the right decision at the time. Possibly, possibly it might have stood me in good stead if I'd actually found the time and or the reason to go out on the tools, as it were, whether it's going out with a surveyor to see what happens when you go around someone's house or going on a delivery to actually deliver someone's furniture or collect, wrap, take it away. Because that is where I'm sure I will differ from most of your other podcasters that I've never actually <laughs> been involved in a removal. Don't worry, Mark, neither have I, and I have no intention. No, well, that's it. I've got more in common with you than I have with all <laughs> these movers. So what is your high point of being within the industry? I'm going to guess one of them has got to be becoming managing director. Well, I was going to say that. I mean, it's, it possibly sounds a little bit twee, but, I mean, the truth is it is my first and only managing director role. I always believed that I would one day step up from the accounting function and be a more of a generalist, mm. general manager. Yeah. I do think I've made a reasonable fist of it, and uh, hopefully I'm going to continue to make a reasonable fist of it for a while yet. I do think that I did try to put my own print on the way I was going to be managing director. And I mean, this, this might tell you something a little bit about me, or it might tell you the wrong thing about me. But one of the <laughs> things that I decided very, very quickly was that Britannia has a conference every year. Oh, don't I know about it? Yeah. Britannia has mm. a conference every year. And in the years prior to my appointment, we'd been to Brighton and Cardiff and the Lake District and up near Newcastle. And... I just decided that I'd like to do things a little bit differently. And I'd like to take conferences to places where people wouldn't necessarily have gone in their own 
right and it would be places of interest and fun and places that they would want to go and so my first destination was Monaco and since Monaco we've been to in no particular order because I won't remember them in the right order <laughs> Budapest Sorrento Copenhagen Reykjavik oh, we did do Jersey some of our members said we want a UK conference and <laughs> we said okay fine we'll go to Jersey you still got to catch a plane or a boat <laughs> so we've been to a lot of places where people wouldn't necessarily have gone of their own accord so we elongated the trip so that they get a day to actually have a look around the city taking some of the culture or just find a bar or a restaurant whatever to their choosing would give them something else to think about apart from just the conference side of things but the conferences are very good it's it's an opportunity for all the members to get together and especially the the welcome evening the first night all they want to do is talk and drink and eat and talk and drink and eat about all sorts of things that are creating their fun in their lives at work i suppose if you can call it fun it's one big party atmosphere and i blame charlotte for that party i mean charlotte <laughs> yes you should blame charlotte yeah no you shouldn't blame charlotte it's entirely because you should thank charlotte <laughs> charlotte and keith's efforts over the years to put on the best possible conference that we could we've had some amazing venues and we've had some yeah. amazing themes and a lot of that is down to them and so yeah I will publicly thank both of them for all of their efforts over the years. Charlotte now works for us directly. So she's still lumbered with sorting out our conferences, but also is looking after our marketing and communications, which she's also very good at. So uh, I'm very happy with that appointment. But yeah, conferences are there to be enjoyed, not to be endured. Absolutely. And, you know, if we have a gala evening, and especially if we make it a black tie gala evening. Some of them do like to dress up. Yeah. They do like to drink and eat and have a boogie at the end of the night. And then everybody goes home happy and they go, well, that was it. Where are we going next year? Hmm. And I take great delight in revealing the following year. Always get them to try and guess where we're going. It's a very closely guarded secret. <laughs> and if anyone gets it right, the first two out of the hat get to go for free the following year. Really? Yeah, yeah. I think it's quite a good incentive. It keeps idea. them interested. What a great idea. Mm. BAR, are you listening? <laughs> so what one thing would you change within the moving industry? Uh, can I choose two? Yeah. Okay. Can I as many as you like. The, the one thing I would change probably is, and it, it's probably an impossibility because I just don't know how you would manage this, but somehow so that the solicitors and banks were accountable for ensuring that moves completed and monies got transferred by one o'clock on moving day. And if it didn't get done by one o'clock on moving day, then there was a penalty of some kind that they suffered. And that would mean there was absolute certainty. Everybody moving would know after one o'clock they can move into their new house because it's all will have happened. And like I said, it's probably Nirvana, paradise, some place that doesn't exist. But I think I would love to see that because it does create so much hassle around the membership and sometimes for us too with corporate moves. Is this because the system is so antiquated? I think it's 
there's probably a million different reasons. Some solicitors are very good and on the ball, others are probably not so good. Some banks are very accommodating. Some, you know, they've got procedures and people that don't know what needs to be done. So things fall over all of the time for one reason or another. Whether the, the chain is an issue and that's what causes part of the problems, I don't know. If a chain doesn't collapse, then it should all just be done. Bang, you just press a button. I mean, why can't you do press the button on the Thursday night? So it's all there ready and waiting at eight o'clock on a Friday morning. Bang, the banks just let it all go. And it just goes between all of the, the various accounts and it's done. It should not be beyond us to be able to, to organize something like that. But I think no, it probably it is. is. Not. I think it probably is. And the, the second thing I would choose is to get away from those noisy, smelly diesel vehicles and move on to electric. But again, that's a few years down the road, I think. Do you think the future is electric then? Well, I think it has to be, doesn't it? Even the government have said they're not going to sell diesel or petrol engine cars anyway after 2030. So you're going to have to buy new, either old petrol or diesel cars or new electric cars after that. And I think trucks, vans and so on, they're also moving electric now more and more. So at some point they will, they will sort the technology that will mean you can use an electric vehicle on a long distance trip, not just short. What about hydrogen or synthetic uh, fuels? Well, uh, if, if I'm honest, I'd probably say any alternative fuel yeah. is, is probably a good, a good idea. Yeah, just definitely. Which one is more affordable and uh, more easily doable? So what advice would you give to yourself just starting out in the industry again? I thought about this and I thought if, uh, if I asked anybody else in the moving industry, what advice would they have given me? Most of them have said they would have said run for the hills. But the reality is I would say to myself, enjoy it. Enjoy it. You're going to go on a roller coaster of emotions. You're going to go on a roller coaster of recession and boom and bust and all that sort of thing over the various years. But enjoy it because life would be really dull if every day was exactly the same. Oh, absolutely. You could put up with it for a while, but if every day you had every vehicle out and every employee turned up and every move went perfectly, life would be so dull. Well, guess what? That doesn't happen. And every day is a different day. Every day somebody's truck breaks down or one of the guys calls in sick or, as I said, the keys don't get handed over so you can't deliver or... Whatever. There's no end of variance in the industry. And that's what keeps us all coming back. From my point of view, certainly within the Britannia membership, but also in the wider industry, I also feel I've met an awful lot of nice people. An awful lot of nice people. And they're a pleasure to be around and a pleasure to talk to. And more importantly for me, a pleasure to listen to. And the reason for that is because most of them, 99% of them are movers, not like me. And 99% of them have got a funny story about moving. Well, we are one big happy moving family. Well, I would like to think so. I mean, there are, there are some unscrupulous ones out there, but we don't talk about them. So um, I think it's, it's, generally, it's generally a fairly nice, helpful industry. I think, you know, if Definitely. our members rock up somewhere and 
there's a problem, they can find another removalist in the in the local area yeah. and say, can you help? And if Definitely. it's possible, most of the time they will. They, yeah. will. they might even charge or not, as the case may be, depending on what the help is. So where do you see yourself and the industry in the next five years? Uh, from a personal point of view, I would see myself obviously five years closer to retirement. I would like to think that I have a plan for retirement. And I would also like to think that I, we, the board, have a succession plan hmm. for BMI for as and when I decide to call it a day. Albeit, I don't think I want to particularly just walk out the door, hand over the keys and say, don't darken my door or email box again. I think I'd like to stay in touch in some way, shape or form, but time will tell on that. For the industry, I think we could go through another bit of topsy-turvy in the next couple of years. There's talk of recession. Prices have been rising, fuel and labour costs and packaging, and there's so much has been increasing as far as the, the removal cost is concerned. Fortunately, for the most part, that just gets passed on to the consumer. The downside, from a consumer's point of view, <laughs> that's less money they can spend on other things. But um, I think there is definitely a distinct possibility of a downturn in business, a downturn because of a recession, people just feeling they're unable to move. So that's, that's a bit of a concern. Hopefully, it's not too drastic. Are you saying that as Britannia? Because there still seems to be an awful lot of trucks on the road. People are moving. Houses are selling. Right here, right now. No, I'm not seeing that. We are not seeing no. that. No, no. It's just that the forecasts could predict. I'm just seeing yeah. those forecasts and thinking at some point, what is happening now is going to have an effect. And it's just a question of how far into the future is that going to be. And to start planning for it, should it happen? Absolutely. In, in some respects, it's a little bit like... COVID, everybody thought, oh, what the devil is going to happen here? And then within a space of a six to eight weeks, something like that, the government said, no, no, removal still need to happen. And all of a sudden it was, it was making hay time. And for probably the last two years, most removal firms have made a lot of hay. Um, they've moved a lot of people and they've charged the right money. At last. And they've, they've stored up a war chest, hopefully, most of them. And so as and when we do get a downturn, they'll be able to cope with that as well. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope they haven't all gone and spent it on new trucks. Well, yeah. <laughs> so what do you do outside of the industry to switch off then, Mark? I don't have lots of interests, but uh, one of the things I do enjoy doing is, is going walking, partly because it's an element of fitness, I believe, but also because I like to be able to see what is around me. I grew up in and around what I would call a concrete jungle. Where I lived was just built up, just houses or factories or shops or whatever, everywhere. And to a degree, when I moved here to Croydon, it was pretty similar. But in more recent times, I've managed to discover that there's a bit more outside of Croydon. If you move into Surrey and uh, in Kent and go to the coast, there's lots yeah. of nice places to see. There's lots of nice walks to go on. There's plenty of National Trust places in and around the area. And so, again, you can go and walk around those. So I enjoy the, the walking and I enjoy the, the seeing of what my surroundings are. So I do quite a lot of that these days. 
I read a bit. I'm quite happy with all the Jack Reacher novels. Lee Child, Jack Reacher, he's he's a sort of an anti-hero, but he's a also a superhero. He's just brilliant. <laughs> I just wish I could I could have one ounce of what he's got in terms of just being able to reason what is going on in a particular situation and then being able to do something with little or no consequences. It's uh, it's incredible. Bit of Jeffrey Archer. Boo. Some people might say, but he's he's got a he's got a way with a with a words. I tell you, every book he's ever written has got twists and turns, and I never saw any of them coming. But they're very good from that point of view. The trick for me is: are they page turners? And in right. both of those instances, I just want to keep reading the next yeah. page. Jeffrey yeah. Archer or Lee Child, Jack Reacher. And then I suppose my my bit of sport is I play occasional golf. And I say occasional because I probably play three, four, five times a year at most. But after the first couple of holes, you'd think I've been playing most of the year. Not that I'm a particularly good golfer, but I class myself as a capable golfer. So I can still make a few pars. I can still make a few one-over pars. I still have a few disasters as well. But for the most part, I play a little bit around one over par golf so you know put me on a handicap of 18 somebody who doesn't play very often i think that's quite reasonable why do you not play very often you're clearly good at it well because i'm out walking all the time i suppose (laughs) no it's in the past anyway or in the more recent past it's been opportunity for one reason or another i just haven't had the opportunity but i do intend to make more of that over the next few years and especially into retirement I still remember my my father-in-law, I used to play golf with him every weekend. And uh, two weeks before he retired, he was diagnosed with a with a back problem, which meant that for him, he never swung a golf club in retirement. And that was, you know, he had 20 years after that of not wasted, but 20 years he was expecting to play golf and he, he just couldn't. So I need to try and uh, do something about it now and uh, and get more golf in. So may I ask, during your walk-in, is that when you switch off completely or do you get to think about making decisions and about the business and things like that? I, I've always thought, and especially once I moved down here, I belong to Britannia five days a week. And when I went home for the weekends, then I belong to my family. And yeah. so I tried to be able to switch those buttons As soon as I left work on a Friday, I was heading home. I'd forget about work. You can't completely forget. No. But I could take a view that there is nothing going to happen between now and when I get back in on Monday, that can't be dealt with on Monday morning. Yeah. And so to a degree, switch off the emails if you can and just concentrate on the family. And so I tried to do that for a good many years. Nowadays, I do try to switch off in the evenings as well during the week because again there is rarely anything that is so important i need to deal with it at eight o'clock on a wednesday night it can't be dealt with at eight o'clock on a thursday morning right so i'm trying to to educate myself to not be a hundred percent at work for want of a better phrase and finally i like to end my podcast with a funny moving story do you have one or more to tell I don't have a funny moving story because 
the one thing that I need to admit here and now is that I have never actually moved house. I've never been on a move that somebody else has done, and I've never moved house personally. I've owned three separate properties. In the first case, I was just moving from my family home in with my fiance, and we bought new, obviously. It wasn't a new house, but we bought new furniture, carpets, and, and everything. So we bought new. So it just got delivered. The second house that I bought was a brand new house, and we decided we want new. We want new in this brand new house. And so we bought new, and we just disposed of all of the old stuff. And then the third property is my flat down here in Croydon. Well, guess what? I bought new. So I didn't move. So to date, for all of my 60 years, for all of my 19 years in in Britannia and in the removals industry, I have never yet put a penny into any removal firm's coffers. So I don't know whether that's a damning indictment on me. It's not particularly funny, but hopefully it's a little bit interesting. Our listeners will be aghast at that. (laughs) Quite possibly. Well, Mark, thank you very much for giving out your time this morning to record an episode of Moving Matters with me. I truly appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. I hope you can find something worth listening to amongst all of that. Oh, absolutely. 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 Thank you very much. I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 50 of Moving Matters. Please rate, review and subscribe in your favourite podcast player of choice and please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters. My thanks and appreciation go to Mark Tresler of Britannia Movers International for giving up his time to record this episode. Thank you again, Mark. If you would like to know more about Britannia Movers International and the services they provide, or you would like to be a member of Britannia Movers International, then you will find links within the show notes for this episode and on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Well, that is all from me, so until next time, keep moving.